This is NRL Boom Rookies. Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of Boom Rookies presented by ESPN. I am Matt Bungard and with me today, Nick Campton. Hello. A hearty TGIF to all who celebrate and observe this noblest of holidays. It is Friday morning. Yeah, It's not an NFL podcast camper, but I could not be much more happy than I am this morning with Lamar Jackson re-signing with the Baltimore Ravens. Just keep collecting W's this week. Um, and yeah, really great start to the weekend. Uh, you got anything to be happy about? Not really. Yeah. Not really. Sucks to be you. Yeah, it kind of does sometimes. It do also it sucks to be. The North Queensland Cowboys? That's right. Yeah, we they did are. it. We did it. Yes. He's got it. He knows what a I segue did it. is. Finally. I, I finally, after what? You've graduated three months of doing this. School. I've graduated Segway Your school. Your reward? One of those Segway scooters to zoom around in. Top Actually, you cannot be trusted with one no, of those. Well, no. It's like how the scooter's in Brisbane. Oh, yeah. You're banned like we, from we riding zip, a line we, scooter. We zip around. People zip around them whenever I'm up there. People say, well, jump on this. It'll be really fun. It's like, no, I'm banned. You are. And they go, who banned you? And I was like, I banned myself. That's right. For for my own personal health and safety Mm. and for the good of the community. That's right. I should not be allowed on one of those things. Mm. I think that's very brave of you. So a lot of self-awareness and growth, perhaps. Yeah, well, Mm. you know. Yeah, uh, the Cowboys are atrociously bad. This game was a boat race from about the 15th minute. I don't think anybody, apart from the most pessimistic of Sharks fans, thought that there was any doubt who was going to win this game. I mean, they got the one highlight with Kyle Felt fending uh, Val Home, uh, fending Ronaldo Molotalo into the next suburb. But apart from that, they didn't do much at all with the ball. What's going on? Well, let's let's get to that at the end because it's always more fun to talk about the winners okay. first. And as, as one of Cronulla's most prominent yeah. fans, yeah. Do you want to run us through it? Well, I mean, they. I, I kind of feel like if you're a Sharks fan, you can feel pretty good about the season at the moment. I still think there's some questions over their forward pack. I don't know if their middles have enough to stand up to the big teams in the big games, and especially now. If, I mean, we haven't seen the news on Braden Hamlin, ULA yet, but if he's going to be joining Toby Rudolph on the sidelines for a while, that already thin forward pack's getting a little bit thinner. But their back line is so slick. They're, when they're on, they're, they're just so good to watch. Um Nico Hines, again, was fantastic. Um, it's weird because I don't think Mulatalo's had a particularly good season, but he's still got a couple of tries in this game. And yeah, it, their edge back rowers as well have been both superb so far for me this season. And I hope Nico is okay as well because I think he also uh, had a little bit of a niggle at the end of this one. But yeah, I think by a distance, their most complete performance. And it was only, what, six months ago that they played the same team on the same ground and, and, and allowed them to score 32 points against them and lost in, in that finals game. So to turn around and beat them so comprehensively, I think will give the Sharks the world of good. And now they're not only up to second on the ladder, they're also averaging the most points per game of any team, which is mildly surprising. I, I don't know if it's surprising. They've it always just... been a really strong attacking team. Like the, even when they were losing games earlier in the season. I know, but I just feel like if you ask anyone... A, that wasn't an issue. Which team has scored... Like if you ask them... Who scored more points per game this year, the Broncos or the Sharks? I think most people, without thinking, would probably just say the Broncos. Maybe that's what stats are for, baby. That's right. Um, we mentioned on the show earlier, I think it was the Wednesday show, we've done so many fucking shows this week, I can't mm. keep track of them all. But we mentioned when we previewed this game that this was going to be a big one for the Sharks because I think that loss to the Cowboys has really stuck in their minds yeah. over the last six months. To be honest with you, I think I think the club sort of pinpoints that game as the moment their season ended, much yep. more than the, than the Rabbitohs loss the following week. Um, and while the Cowboys are very much at a, at, a, at a low ebb and they aren't the same team they were back in last September, I think it's clear that the Sharks came into this one with a very sort of ruthless attitude. And I, 
I think that sort of comes up in a couple of the guys who had really tough games in that semi-final who were great in this one. And, and chief among them is CSI Vitalikai. So if you guys will remember, Peter Hiku absolutely skinned him alive in that semi last year. I think Hiku ran for nearly 300 metres. He was absolutely superb and just totally made Talakai look look a little bit second rate, which Talakai obviously isn't, but like Hiku just very much got the better of him. And then this game to me was probably the best game Talakai's played since he had that really good stretch at um, the start of, last, at year. The start of yeah. last year, that really good six weeks or whatever that kind of transformed his career and kind of changed him from a back rower into a centre permanently. Um, and we just got all the good stuff that, you, that, that we want from Talakai. He led, he led um, all players on the field for metres. He was backing up the score tries. Doesn't actually score that many tries. So him well, he hadn't scored in like what, a, in a very while. long he, time. He, well, but... since he had that good run, he's, I think he's only scored twice. Yeah. But he backed up um, some really nice creative play from Heinz to score first. We saw all his skill on show. Oh, with some, beautiful, on. some beautiful good tip Lord. ons to Mulatalo. And I think, yeah. I, I, and it was just really good to see a player like that who clearly... Who knew a bowling ball could use finesse. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I think it was good to see a player sort of take his last performance against a team so personally. I think it was clear that he was really dialed in for this one. So that's great to see. Um, Heinz, terrific. Again, it's funny with Heinz. He, he's, got a re, he's got a unique style of play. I was thinking about this last night. When we talk about halves who dominate, or halves who were like the best player on the field, mm. a lot of the time we use really aggressive language to describe it. Like he dominated him. He did whatever he wanted. He led him around the park. He, he completely cut them to pieces. But I, I don't feel like that adequately describes what Nico Hines does. You know, like guys like um, Nathan Cleary or Adam Reynolds, when they dominate games, it feels it's, like... Yeah, it's like they're, they're feels, choking the life yeah, out of the opposition. Yeah, it feels like they have their fingerprints on... Like it's death on, by a thousand cuts yeah, when Nathan Cleary Yeah, it feels Nathan like Cleary's they have their game. fingerprints on yeah, absolutely, absolutely everything that absolutely. happens. Or when uh, Ben Hunt or Jack Whiten or Cody Walker dominates a game, it, it feels like they overwhelm it. Yes. With their skill or the, or their speed or, or their running game or whatever, Hines is a little bit different. I feel like it's not it's not as it's not it's not so much that the game bends to Nico Hines' will. It's like the game just naturally leads to where he wants it. It feels like it was always going that way. It's a really sort of I don't know the right word for it. Mm. Casual's not the right word. Laid back's not the right word. But just a yeah, I, I I don't I don't know. I don't think I've ever really seen a half. It's very smooth. Smooth, smooth's definitely a good descriptor, but I don't think I've ever seen a half. Yeah, who, I get what you're saying. Who works games the particular way that he does? It just it just feels very very effortless. And I never I never feel like he's attacking a game because he never really needs to. The game mm. just sort of comes to him and kind of just flows the way he wants. It's a really it's it, it's quite a it's quite a different different manner to the way a lot of other halves play. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Poor old Drinkwater was kind enough to uh, bend that game to Nico Hines as well. Oh, yeah, give he him had a, a try for free. He had a shocker, didn't Jesus he? Christ. He had a but shocker. But you're right, because with Hines, he kind of just glides around and he's just got not like he's got close to a perfect environment around him for the way he wants to play. He's got explosive edge back rowers, he's got explosive players in the centers, he's got some powerful, speedy guys on the wings, and he's got Matt Moylan, who I think had was much better in this game, a real return to form. And of course he's got Will Kennedy, who we've both been fans of for a long time. He's got explosive playmakers all around him that I think lend to your point and allow him to just sort of get around the park and sort of just be the conductor of the orchestra. Something that uh, 
I think it was somebody on the Shark coaching staff told me last year that what what they really liked about Hines from the second he got to Cronulla is that he just he would make attacking decisions, mm. you know, and like sometimes they wouldn't be sometimes they wouldn't be the right decisions, but he would make them and he wouldn't and he wouldn't have the fear to make them. And I I know that sounds like a really basic thing, but if you look at a lot of the halves on the bad teams in the NRL, a lot of them are just so conservative. A lot of them don't make decisions. A lot of them just sort of hit their edge back row or drop someone under, and they don't really. Um, they don't really engage themselves in the attacking game as much as they could. And yep. he's someone who's doing that as at pretty much as high a level as a halfback can right now. Um, but yeah, I'm running out of words to describe how well he's doing, putting up some really good numbers. Are we running out of words to describe how bad the Cowboys are so doing? So here's my concern with the Cowboys. And we talked about this a little bit before we started recording and I wrote about it this morning on ESPN. So when a team has a slow start, or they're not playing well, you can often point to some things that are going to get better. Like the Sharks, for example, they had a slow first month to the season, but everyone's like, well, once Nico, they're kind of just treading water until their best player returns and then things will be okay. And then they kind of have been. With the Roosters, they're like, oh, well, they're just still working things out with their halves combination. There's a, there's a million things you can say about a lot of teams when when things aren't going as well as they could be. But with the Cowboys, I know Jason Tamalolo didn't play this game, but he played most of the season. I don't know, Drinkwater missed a couple of games of suspensions. And I know that Nano did as well, but for the most part, they've had almost their best team on the field and practically the same team that was so good last year on the field. And yet, so last year, Camper, they scored 24 or more points 18 times this year. That's a lot of times. That's a lot of times. This year, they scored 24 once. And that's, 20, that's that's not many times. Yeah. And that was the 24-12 win over the Titans. And that's it. And they've broken 21 other time. And that was a 22-32 loss to the, to the, to the Dolphins. So... Their attack just isn't there. And the problem is, it's the same guys as last year. And there's not some great white hope waiting around the corner to sort of catapult them to the next level. And that's the issue. And so a lot of what... I think both of these teams faced a lot of similar criticisms at the back end of last year and going into this season where it was soft draw this, they got to play all the good teams at the right times, blah, 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 lucky draw, all that stuff. And there was definitely merit to some of the criticisms that, was, that both of them were getting. And I thought that... Whilst it was overblown, the critics were kind of vindicated with what both of these teams did in the finals. They combined for four games, and the only one that one of them won was when they played each other. And this year, the Sharks, I think, have gone a little bit of the ways to shutting those people up. Once Nico's been back, they've been every bit the attacking force we thought they could be. And apart from that aberration against the Warriors, they've largely been pretty good over the past month. But the Cowboys, they're proving these people right. And they're making these people who said, oh, look... That was all just circumstantial. That was all just a flash in the pan. They're making those people seem like they, they're the ones that know what they're talking about. Because right now, it looks like last year was the aberration. And that this kind of is what they are. And that's terrifying to me if I'm a Cowboys fan. Yeah, absolutely. And what when you say last year's the aberration, like the footy that they're playing now is kind of the footy that they were playing the year before yeah. last when they had another really underwhelming season. Um, yeah, I'd be I'd be absolutely panicking if I was a Cowboys fan because to me it felt like from the way they played in that opening 20 when Cronulla just totally out muscled them and like really just beat the shit out of them down the edges of the mm. field it seemed to me like the cows turned up there this one and they weren't sure they weren't they didn't think they could win it like I think they come down here and they were just waiting for to, sort of for Cronulla to to knock them over you know and with like Nana's going to miss a heap of time now yeah. with 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 that hip drop like I know we we had a little bit of fun with the hip drops last week or whatever but that to me is a classic hip drop that like, one we that one everyone was like oh yeah everyone knew that was a hip drop like throwing your weight on the back of yeah. the bloke's legs and i hope Brad that's pretty that's okay, pretty that's pretty textbook the field went up the so he's he's away, out so. for a while now so things are just going to get harder and harder for them you know mm. and 
Yeah, I think yeah, I, I'm 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 almost willing to put a line through them. Yeah, I really am. Well, at this point, they like if not for the Tigers, they'd be, I'd be more willing to bet them getting the spoon than finishing in the top eight. Mm. Tough times, yeah, tough really. times at the OK Corral, man. And like, and yeah, I just can't see it turning around because it's not like they're waiting for a bunch of guys to come back. Mm. They're just this is who they are. This is their top team, and this is the team that's scoring between ten and twenty points every week. Who 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 do you think needs to play better? For them to lift it up. Well, it's weird, right? I think Chad Towns, like you mentioned, Chad Townsend's triassis numbers being good on face value the other week. Yeah, but his play that hasn't. was that was a few weeks ago yes. though, and but I even do then, think he's, still he's getting like do, one per game. But I do think he's dropped down. Yeah, since he's still then. getting one per game, but his game management just hasn't been what it was. He's making the wrong choices all the time. I think Dearden just caught fire last year, and maybe that was just again, maybe that was maybe that was the aberration. No, I. So but I, I don't I, know. Well, I, I, no would, I would. But I would. The big one, I think, is Drinkwater, who. They were happy to ride with as a defensive liability because he was so dynamic in attack last yeah. year. And I know he missed a couple of games after that shoulder charge, but it's just not there. And I mean, like, we didn't see any sort of enterprise. The only time I remember him doing anything swashbuckling last night was when he threw a 40-meter cutout pass in the 78th minute when they were down by 40. And with, it's like... I understand what you're saying with Scott Drinkwater, but without him, they'd be, they might have won one game this year. Hmm. You know? And like, he was, ba- he was bad. He was bad last night, no doubt, but... He he's the one that can really sort of lift them. Like yeah, I agree. He, he, like in that Knights game the week before, mm. without if it's if it's if it's not him, they lose that game. That's true. You know, so I think they've just got they got kind of just got to ride the highs and the lows on that one. But I, I like I don't I think he's he's probably not having he's not having as good a year as he did last year. I think Dearden's actually been quite strong. Townsend's been okay. Rogers been okay. I think they've had they have like I feel like. In a vacuum, mm. most of their guys are playing well. It's just connecting it together. Mm. That's really tough. Um, but yeah, I, I I don't know. But I think I don't know. There's a the, there's there's a lot more there's a taken. lot more talent up there than what their record shows. Yeah. So and I think tough times. Not it's not just the tries. Nanai's sort of gone backwards in every other stat as well. So yeah, worrying times again. I mean, he wouldn't be the first Cowboys edge forward to have a breakout year, scoring a billion tries, and then kind of just never do that again. Well, you're saying he's the he's the new Carlton Hairs. That's exactly what I'm saying. Well, yeah. Tough times ahead for the Cowboys. Um, they've got, I think, is it the Roosters at Magic Round? I mean, geez. Talk about a couple of teams with a point to prove. Um, well, we'll see what happens there. But if they lose that, they're, what, three and seven? And they're only got, they've only got another seven games up there in Townsville, which I think is half the problem is... Haven't won a game away from Townsville this yeah, year. Yeah, and that's the thing, right? Because they rely on those home games to be their bankers. And they've only gone three and two up there so far. And one of those, one of those wins was the Knights game that they easily could have lost. And one of them was the Raiders game that they easily could have lost. So... That's, I think, the biggest shift is that they've gone from these comfortable home wins, which was their bread and butter last year, mm. to having one of those comfortable home wins last year. Two losses and two very nervous, narrow wins. And yeah, they've only got seven more games up there for the rest of the year. So. Not much of a yeehaw spirit around the place at the minute. Really not. Which is a shame, because life on the outpost is, a, is an absolute banger. It is. Maybe they've got to listen to that more often. I agree. To give you love you to a cowboy man. I love you. It's hard as you can, can. Have you ever heard the story about that video clip, how it's not the band at all? It's a bunch of random like models, and the band was furious about it, because they didn't feel it represented like the song cowboy erasure yeah like what is it cultural appropriation yeah <laughs> of hard driving they got like a bunch of village people looking dudes to dance like cowboys and the band was like not happy about it well i mean i'll, I'll always stand up for cowboy rights yeah i the, promise the that Scat to you brothers now. if you're listening we're here for you. <laughs> try try this is a try brilliant brilliant play i think it's a try oh i don't know if this is gonna be a try gee what about this bloke
if you are a new listener this year, this is our weekly segment called What About This Bloke, where we talk about a former great from like the 80s, 90s, 2000s that you might have forgotten about. So today we have uh, a great, a great nomination. You know, sitting around and naming old footy players is the finest thing a person can do. It's literally my favourite thing to do in the entire world. This week, our dear friends, Westlife Podcast, have served up Laloa Milford. Great name. Great name. Strong name. Pia Donkey's legend. Pia Donkey's legend. So Laloa Milford got his start with Balmain in the late 90s, played one game for West Tigers in, in 2000, then went over to France and played with Pia, also known as the, the Pia Donkeys, for two or three years, and then came back and had a season with Cronulla. I think all told it's about 30-odd first-grade games, maybe about... 10 tries. I've actually got a surprisingly large amount of stuff to say about Laloa Milford. Do you have anything you want to get out of the way first? Uh, no. Okay, so Laloa Milford was like a nippy little uh, a nippy little Samoan fullback or winger, right? And the first time he came to my attention was when I was a kid, right? And they used to put out this video, like this VHS tape every year. And it had the season highlights for the entire year. It went for about two hours or whatever. And one of my cousins had the 1999 season highlight. So from the time I was literally, I was about seven or eight, I would just watch this thing over and over and over. I'd brush my teeth to that shit, man. I watched it so much that even now, 15 years after I, after I've, after I probably last watched it, there are like passages of commentary from that <laughs> season that I can recite from memory, like with the, the cadences and everything. You know, I cannot stress to you how much I, wa- I watched this shit. Yeah, I nearly wore the goddamn tape out. And Laloa Milford stood out on it because in Balmain's last ever game as a standalone club when they played Canberra, the 10-year anniversary of the 1989 Grand Final, they're both wearing these incredible throwbacks that I would fucking kill to, to get my hands on today. Laloa Milford scores Balmain's last try, ever try as a wow. standalone club. And there it's a go. beauty too. It's from about 60 metres out. Just hits, just like gets an offload, hits a gap, burns Laurie Daly to the corner. It's fantastic stuff. And now, because I'm a freak and I remember this shit, we're going to have a little bit of Campo's Trivia Corner. Okay. And you must answer the questions. Oh, no. So of the four teams yes. that exited the league yes. at the close of the 1999 season, right? So Manly, mm-hmm. Norths, mm-hmm. West... Oh, sorry. Five. Manly, Norths, West, Balmain, South. and Souths. Yep. Can you name the last try scorer for each of them? No. Well, do you want to guess? Um, sure. Uh, Matt Sears. No, Jason Taylor was the last one for the Bears. It was uh, a little, little grubber close to the line in a in a win over the Cowboys in Townsville. Steve Menzies. No, nah, incorrect again. It was Andrew Frew. A long range effort in a listless loss to the Dragons. Um, Souths. I'm going to go. Well, it wasn't Daryl Trindle because he was suspended. Chris <laughs> Caruana. No, it was Craig Wing. Ah, Craig Wing. They were playing Parramatta. He just sort of hit a gap off someone with about 10 minutes to go. Uh, that was it. Wes, Kevin McInnes. Justin Brooker. They're, oh, played for South in 2 In a crushing loss to the Warriors. The Warriors put 60 on the West War- in their last West game at Campbelltown. So and uh, I'm going to say Laloa Milford. Correct. All right. He's done what, it. What a fun game. <laughs> um, yeah, and then so Laloa Milford did that. So he was always someone that like whenever his name came up, it was like, oh yeah, that's the... That's the guy. When he cropped back up in the NRL like four years later playing for Cronulla, yeah. he played half a season for him. And then it came. he played, I think, 12 games. It came out after the 12th game that he didn't actually have a contract. <laughs> he, wasn't re- he wasn't registered to, to anyone or anything like that. But That's they great. just played him anyway. And I think... I think they let the Sharks get... A, I think they let the Sharks get away with it because it wasn't going to hurt anyone. But mm. also, like, 
you got to register people. <laughs> like, also, were they, pay- were they play- paying him? I can't. Yeah, I can't play for Peter from Peter Schimforce without being registered. Were they bro? paying him though? I presume. Like, okay, well, as long as they were paying our man the lower, that's all I really care about. Well, and then here's here's one more final postscript, right? Yeah. So during the during the pandemic, former former host Mitch Doyle started putting together like a an archiving project of just like just about every single rugby league game that you could that you could ask for. Sure. You know what I mean? And then like a bunch of those old VHS tapes with all the highlight reels, the ones that I used to watch with his kid. And one of the ones he dug up was that 1999 season highlights video. So during COVID, I watched it all the way through again for the first time in 15 odd years or something like that. Because like there was nothing on and we're all just sort of bathing in our own nostalgia. I'll get you to put... It's on YouTube now. I'll get you to put the links in the show notes because it's a great watch on a Friday afternoon. If the boss gets up, you tell him I said it's okay. And when I got to the last round of the season and I see the little Milford try and I see the way he runs, I was like, I know another guy that runs like that. Anthony Milford runs like that. I was going to ask if they were related. Well, they're both Samoan and they both run the same way. And their last name and is their last name's the same. So I think yeah. there's some sort of... Okay. I think there's a bit of a... I think there's a crossover there at some point. Okay. It, no, but like the way he runs is uncanny. It, it is the same way that a young Tony Milford used to run. There so there you go. Lalo Milford, lot going on. All right. Um, who's nominating next week's guy? Well, this is a very exciting one for us all. Is it actually? Well, yeah. yeah. Okay. It's 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 twelve birds Campton. <gasps> it's it's Declan Pup Campton. His number has been called. Oh boy! Yeah. Which mediocre Bulldogs player are we going to talk about next? I week? know he's, he's he's very he's very excited. I did the I did the random ge- number generator last night. Nice. And I told him that he's very very pumped. So that'll be an exciting one. If you would like to be a part of what about this guy, you just need to sign up to the correct Patreon tier. Mm, tier two, I believe. Tier two and. Uh, the way it works for total transparency, everyone on that tier has been assigned a number. I pu- I get a random number generator off my off the computer, punch it in, the number comes up, and that's how it works, baby. And your then number we, could we, come up, and then we will talk about the random NRL player of your choice. But you got to be a patron. Patron. Got to be a patron, man. No, nothing, nothing for free in this life. Absolutely. All right. Uh, let's preview this weekend's games, Nick. Um, let's do it. Big slate of games ahead, um, lots of intriguing matchups, starting with the Parramatta Eels hosting the Newcastle Knights in Parramatta. Um, Parramatta reasonably short-priced favourites. The Knights haven't been blown off the park by anyone yet this year. Do you think that will change this week? Because I don't. <laughs> um, well, yeah, look, the Knights, the Knights have done... We've talked a lot about how well the Knights have done this season, how they've exceeded a lot of our expectations... But I think I said it on the show last week when they were heading up to Townsville. I think the struggle for them is sort of replicating the effort and the energy that they have at home, sort of reproducing that on the road because they draw so much strength from those big, rowdy Newcastle home crowds. And it's just a little bit... I don't know. I don't care how many Sid Fogg buses you have. It's just that little bit harder when you're on the road. Um, I guess the path to victory for them is just further improvement from uh, from Kalen Ponga. We both liked what he did last week. I thought there were some really promising touches, not just from like him coming back from from injury but just the way that he was sort of fitting into their attack as a 5-8 I, I really like the idea of him roaming around the field and playing both sides and and sort of being able to link up with Jackson Hastings and Lockie Miller wherever he so chooses you know I think that's the best way to sort of get the most out of him um, I think Jacob Safidi is back for this one which is a really big in for them because it'll help them sort of match Parramatta's muscle in the middle of the field. Um, I give the Knights a, 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 a fair chance in this one, you know, because I think Parramatta have shown that if you stand up to them, if you don't let them knock you around, if you don't let them run over the top of you, 
that they can be they can be vulnerable at points, you know. So I kind of just want to see more of what the good stuff has been from Newcastle this year. I'd especially like to see more good stuff from Tyson Frizzell, who keeps playing really, really well and keeps uh, showing me up for, for talking a bit of smack about him for quite a long if time. you double you the Safidis, you double your chances. That's what they say. That's mm. an old and ancient rugby league saying. What are you wanting from Parramatta in this one, bro? Like, Point. because... <laughs> I want, well, points, but I want them to prove that their forward pack can match it with what I think is a pretty solid forward pack in Newcastle without Regan Campbell-Gillard. Because so much talk this year, including from us, has been about how much of a weight their two big props have had to shoulder. And now they're going to be without one for an extended period of time. And I'd love to see Jermaine Hopgood, your boy Wiramoo Grigg, and a couple of other of the lesser lights stand up and take it to the Knights here. I was surprised that with Campbell-Gillard getting injured that they didn't explore moving Madison yeah, to lock I was shocked and by dropping still playing, still playing in the back, back to the bench or, yeah. or either dropping Madison to the bench and having him come on or unleashing McGregor as, as, as an impact well, where where McGregor's has been playing well man he he's been he's been playing well and he's been holding his spot and he's been hmm. just doing a lot of large lad stuff in the middle of the field which has been a big really boy. good um, yeah I think Parramatta are probably still a little, little bit vulnerable down that Sean Russell Hayes Dunster edge mm-hmm. I think that's something that Newcastle would really look to target, especially given they've got how, some damaging outside back. Well, yeah, given yeah. that they've got Best and Marju down that edge, and they've uh, been so damaging all this year. Greg Marju revenge game. More and more True. people are saying it. But yeah, Parramatta. Oh, I'm I, not I, blown away by Parramatta's bench either. By the way. Yeah, it's look. It's what Cartwright hands Dury Makatoa. Yeah. I like Dury. I I I think the 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 thing with Dury is he'll come on play on the edge and, and that will push Madison to the middle. But I don't actually love. Like mixing around your edges too much. I'd much no. prefer it if they had two 80 minute guys. If you're using more than two or three, I mean, something's probably gone wrong. Well, I don't, I don't know. It's, <laughs> it's, just, it's just never a concept that I've, that I've really enjoyed. No. You know, but. Um, um, whereas I look at Newcastle's bench and you got the crazy man, Tyson Gamble, could come on and, and create the like A human wild card. And then Jacob Saifidi, Matt Croker, and. Um, Jack Hetherington. Jack Hetherington has not done a single crazy thing that's this true. year. That's true. And that's I that's three good players off the bench, three impact players. So I I, I think that if Parramatta don't get out to a lead early, I think the Knights could win the middle exchanges of this and they could have enough to see them off. I'm going to tip an upset win for the Knights. Oh, nice one. I'm probably going to go Parramatta, but if Newcastle win, I won't be all that surprised. That's fair. All right. Moving on. The main game. Uh, Brisbane without... Corey Oates, Ezra Mam, and Payne Haas hosting the Grand Old Club. We welcome back Tavita Totola. Um, Souths installed as healthy favourites in this one. And given those, I mean, I would, I mean, the neutral in me would love to see both these teams at full strength right now. I think they are the two best teams right now. But as a Souths fan, I'm pretty delighted that those three dudes aren't playing. And I think that that really does tip the scales in Souths' favour. It definitely tips them in Souths' favour, but I still don't see this as an easy. Oh, absolutely not. I'm not expecting them to just turn up and win. Yeah. Um. Also, I've been talking to a couple of people about Brisbane because I'm I'm pretty convinced by Brisbane. I'm 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 pretty locked in that they're going to be one of the premiership contenders this year. Um. And that and that their ceiling is probably a premiership caliber team. But I've been talking to a few people who aren't as convinced, and they sort of point to. Brisbane's record. They say that apart from Penrith in round one, they haven't really beaten any other of the any of the other sort of big premiership contending teams. They've sort of feasted on some of the teams that are struggling a little bit more. And when you look at their record, that's that's kind of true. That's what their record says. Um, so in the game like this, what I want to see is even though Brisbane are undermanned, I want to see them be up for the fight in this one. Yeah. 
You know, I think the only game they've lost this year was to Canberra when Canberra were able to sort of push them around that's right. a little bit, you know. And Souths have got a forward pack that's capable of doing that, especially with the Tola back. But I think it's an important step for Brisbane to sort of what they are like facing a little bit of adversity in this one with no Haas and with no Mam and with no Oates, sort of not not letting that get to them, sort of standing up and still still pushing back against South Sydney. So what? Like I'm taking South in this, but I do give Brisbane a really big chance. Did you know? I'm pretty sure Payne Haas missed the games, the game against South last year when they played him in Sydney and, and they Carrigan won. Carrigan played really well. For yeah, them. yeah. Well, yeah. Carrigan's the one that I would really be looking to to step up in this one. I think he's probably got to put the passing away a little bit. I, I think he needs to lead from the front in terms of yardage. On one of his fingers, reading one of reading his, his running, reading one of his psychology books. Yeah. So I'm looking for really big ones from Carrigan, from Tom Flegler as well. I think he's actually been really strong mm. this year. I think he's found a much better handle on his own aggression, which has really helped out. I would be surprised if Keenan Palacia does end up start. He's been named to start. I'd be surprised if he gets the run ahead of um, Corey Jensen, yep. but I suppose we'll have to wait and see on that one. But Brisbane taking on Souths without the South Sydney killer, Corey Oates. That, it's so funny. People talk about Mam and Haas, and I'm kind of like more happy that Corey Oates isn't playing, well, which is like the logic of like a, a beaten and broken man. <laughs> but that's what Corey Oates has done to me over the last five to seven well, years. Well, do you want to just, just for the punters that might not know. Oh, so Corey Oates just- has scored 14 tries against Souths in 14 games, but like a couple of those don't even count because like Brisbane was shit. But like anytime Brisbane have not even been like good, just been okay. Corey Oates has absolutely just destroyed the Rabbitohs. It's all started back in 2015, the infamous head t- hair tussle game, where he ragdolled Dylan Walker in Carried the most for, embarrassing for fashion. I've 25 ever seen. meters, and every game since then he just finds the try line against the Arts. It seems, and thank God he's not playing. Will Jesse Arthur score a hat trick now? Probably, possibly. But look, I just think that that middle's looking a bit soft for Brisbane and. I think that's where Souths have got a lot of joy recently. I think their forward pack's playing very, very well. And without Keon as well, they're going to be relying on that really, really... And with Totola, they're going to be relying on that middle rotation of Totola, Ari, Murrow, Murray, Sele, Burgess, Mawale. I mean, it doesn't get much more strong than that in the NRL. And I think those guys can set the platform for, you know, Trell and Cody to do their thing. And Trell has been brilliant in the last three to four weeks. And as long as he keeps feeling himself... Keeps running off the back of this forward pack who've been rolling downhill against just about everyone, even Penrith, who they've traditionally struggled against. They can beat everyone, especially a harmless Broncos. The challenge for Souths, I don't think, is so much one of personnel. I think it's uh, a mental one. Yeah, don't just they, turn up and think you're going to win. Well, they just expended so much emotional energy in that game against Penrith yeah, last big, week, and you could see, eight you day could, turnaround at least. Yeah, so I know, good. but you could you could. Oh, it meant so much to them. Yeah, you could. Yeah, see, yeah, yeah. At full time, you could see how much it meant to them. That was a real mountain for them. For them to climb, yeah. you know. Um, it's, it's so funny. They seem to just like get a key forward back but lose another one every week. They get to Toller back but Keon's out for yeah. a couple so, of so, sort of matching... If they sort of match the, the level of effort that they played with against Penrith, then I think they, they should be able yeah. to to handle this one. If there was one area of, of weakness, I think, that, that Brisbane would really look to target and might be able to target, it's probably the South Sydney edges around their back rowers. I thought Cheekham did all right last week. I think Host only played about... 20-odd minutes. I think Arrow sort of shifted to the edge after after that opening quarter. But if I was Brisbane, even without Ezra Mam, I would think about Adam Reynolds, Reese Walsh, Katoni Staggs, and Herbie Farnworth really attacking those those South Sydney those South Sydney edges. Yep. Really going after Cheekham, really going after Host. Host had his best game last week, by the way. But Host, yeah. he only played the first 20 minutes. Sorry, not last week, the week before. Yeah. Um, 
but yeah. Yeah, no, I'm not saying they're bums. Oh no, I'm, I'm just saying like he has struggled at times. He got hooked against Manly. Yeah, I'm I'm, sa- I'm saying if I, if I was if I was Brisbane, those are the areas of the field that I would be looking yeah. to attack. And yeah, Cheekam is not Keon Kolomatangi. That's not really his fault though. But there's only one Keon Kolomatangi. He's pretty good. Can you spell Kolomatangi? Uh yes. K O L O A M A T A G A I. So close. What? You missed an N. Ah, because we don't say the N. No, you don't say ah, the N. Ah, bugger. That was, I should have got that. The, That's no good. G. It's all right. You did your best. Um, well, I guess my best wasn't good enough. I'll stop it. You did great. Um, McDonald's Park. Where's that? Wagga. Okay. Do they have a McDonald's in the park? Maybe not, but I'm sure it's adjacent. How big can Wagga really be? That's true. Well, it's Canberra, Canberra going there to play the Dolphins. Um, maybe they'll go to McDonald's afterwards if they win. Ricky will treat the boys, but not Jack White. <laughs> Everyone else gets a French fry. You get apple slices, Jack. Um, yeah, I, I feel like I say this every week with Canberra, but this is an important game. Yeah, in this, the context, this, in of, the context of this season. But this is an important one for them because I think their next four weeks are the Finns, mm. the Bulldogs, mm. Parramatta, and Manly. Winnable. Well, they're all winnable, mm. but I think they're all losable as well. And and given what sort of happened to them this week with, with White and leaving, what happens these next four weeks could really set up the rest of, of the season. I'm glad that they I'm glad that um Ricky named White in this week. I've always really disliked when club when a guy's leaving cl- a club and the season's still going and like the finals are still possible and the coach drops the guy that's leaving. I always think that's really, really petty because while he's not going to be here next year, there's still a job to be done this year. And this is still a team that I think can achieve something this season. And Jack Whiten right now is still a really big part of that. So I'm glad he's sticking around. I'm honestly not sure what to expect from him. Um, I think it'll go one or two ways. I think it'll either be now that his future is sorted and he gets to concentrate on footy, I think there's a chance he could be really good. But I also think there's a chance he could emotionally disengage a little bit because he knows he's not going to be there next year and things could be really, really bad. If there's one thing Jack Whiten's always been, it's a guy that tries hard. And I think that now with an well, even clearer head than usual, <laughs> um, I think I think it'll probably more likely be the former. He doesn't strike me as the kind of person that would put the cue in the rack. Well, normally I would agree with you. But that game against the Dragons was just so poor, and he looked so. Mm. I, I, but he was trying I, to make I'm not, things I'm not happen. Saying, I'm not saying I'm not saying he wasn't trying or putting yeah, in yeah, effort, yeah. but he played like his mind. Oh, was yeah, somewhere but like else. a Jack White and bad game isn't a, like a Latrell Mitchell bad game is he doesn't touch the ball enough, he doesn't get involved. A Jack White and bad game is he tried to throw forty three cutout balls and they all got intercepted. Yeah, so which I, is kind of what but, happened to that Dragons. But, I, but I'm, I'm, I'm I'm hoping now yeah. that things are sorted, he can just he can just sort of play a bit of footy because I. I He's only he's only talked a little bit since things have come out, but he has sort of said he wants to kind of finish strong with Canberra and all that. And I, I would like to see him finish. Like while I do have my frustrations with how this has played out, I would like to see him finish strong with Canberra because he's not leaving tomorrow, is he? Like you, you 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 tried to start an early, early re- release. Yeah, early. That's release. like the third time since you got to my house that you've tried to start an early release chant. And I love chants, mm. but I will not join in on this chant. Oh, you are chanting solo on this one, my the boy. Table with a mug. That would be harder for me to resist, but I would still find a way. I respect that. Um, I do like that the Raiders have basically given Ricky the keys to the website as well, so just to write blogs. That was nice. Ricky Stewart's Tumblr. Parentheses. Digitally altered. <laughs> what would Ricky Stewart have on his Tumblr? Um, he would have, like... I think he would have, like... Pictures of, like... I'm trying to think. Just, like, cool animals that he that he likes, but they'd all be, like, very very aggressive animals. Very dangerous animals, I think. Like, he'd be like, here's a cool picture of a lion. Okay, I think Ricky Stewart would run a 
a true crime Tumblr because oh. there was a what was it? There was some there was some off field incident maybe two years ago, and it wasn't it wasn't a major thing. I think somebody got done for low range drink driving or something like that. Like they got pulled over the side of the road the day after they were on the piss. And someone asked Ricky about it, and he said, "Well, mate, it's not the it's not the Wanda Beach Hill murders, is it?" Oh, wow. so so maybe maybe Ricky Stewart is secretly just a true crime fanatic, just loving it, man. Has all these theories, listens to podcasts, huge on huge on Reddit you, message boards and shit. Do you know who Steve Bruce is? Uh, he is an English soccer manager he with is. a very red face. He, that's exactly who he is. He has written a series of tr- crime novels called Sweeper, Striker, and something else. And they're about like a football manager that has to solve crime after a player is murdered. <laughs> These are real are they, books. Are they soccer crimes or are they regular crimes? Regular crimes. So hang on, I'll read the parenthesis. I'll read the uh, the like little synopsis thing. Uh, written in the first person, Striker puts the reader in the shoes of Steve Barnes, manager of Lettersford Town, a small but historic club, hoping to rise to the premiership for England football's second tier. But there's trouble afoot. Barnes finds young Irish striker Pat Duffy stabbed to death in the changing room. Jesus. And becomes su- becoming suspected of the murder, spends the rest of the book struggling to clear his name. Wow. Yeah, so, he wrote, so maybe Ricky Stewart could write some true crime books uh, based on rugby league criminals. Which NRL coach do you think would make the best detective? Mm. So they've got to have a good temperament. They can't be too emotional. That's right. So that's already ruling out Ricky Stewart. Ricky, Ricky would be a good sidekick to the detective. Uh, well, Anthony Seabold would work in the cyber crimes unit. <laughs> we know that. <laughs> Jeez. Um, so Cleary, probably a bit again, probably a bit too emotional. I could see, I could see like Kevin Walters being a clumsy Pink Panther like type a, yeah, detective, like- <laughs> Inspector Clouseau. <laughs> yes, like a good nature, good natured who just sort of fumbles his way to the to solving the case. I reckon it could be Todd Payton. Maybe I actually really like Trent Robinson for this one. Yep, mm. speaks French. Yeah. So is, is there anyone? Is there anyone who could be a Benoit Blanc type? Um, I don't think anyone has the voice. Well, who could do the best? Well, Jason Dimitri could not do a Southern accent. I don't think. Mm. Um, Which NRL coach has the best accent work? I reckon Seraldo could pull it off. Maybe. Well, he did play for Italy. Yeah. Did Mart play on. for Italy. Oh, Mart on. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, back on the Dolphins. Back on we track. Well, no. Well, I, there's a couple more things I want to talk about with Canberra. Okay. First, I. I feel like this is a strong matchup for Canberra, like I felt like their round two game was, especially with Mark Nichols getting ruled out for the Dolphins. I think there can be a lot of joy for Canberra up the middle of the field, like there was in that round two game. They lose that round two game because of lapses of concentration, not because they weren't able to make meters, you know, and they just sort of let the Dolphins hang around, hang around, hang around, and then just sort of made a couple of key errors here and there, and the Finns were able to sort of pounce on it. But I think the way to beat the Dolphins is you've got, you've got to go out, dominate the middle of the field, and you can't give them an avenue back into the match because, as we saw last week, if you give them an opening, they're going to be able to take it. So the key is not to offer them those sorts of those sorts of openings. Interested to see how the Dolphins go away from Queensland. That has been their problem. I mean, well, they got that, absolutely towed up by the Dragons. Well, they've only played game. two games in New South Wales. One was in Newcastle in round three, I think it was, and they did quite well. Yep. And then the other one was in Wollongong against the Dragons, and they got smashed. So... Regional centres have been a bit of a mixed bag for them thus far this season. Um, but I think this is an important game for Canberra if they really want to shake off the dust of that poor start to the season. You yeah, know, I, I am predicting um, Canberra to win and my favourite player, Jack Whiten, to have a blinder. <laughs> I'm, tipping, I'm tipping Canberra to win as well. All right. Manly hosting the Titans, Brookvale. And you know what? 
With the Titans, who knows? That's right. I, I I feel like predicting anything regarding the Titans is irresponsible. A fool's errand. They, they, are, they are the rugby league speedball, man. Yep. They, they get you. They, they take, they're uppers and downers all rolled together into one. Still no Josh Schuster for Manly. Still working back from that injury, apparently, at a setback. So mm, yes. Maybe there's more to that. Well, did you see the comments from Daily Cherry Evans the mm, other day? No. What well, they? he pretty much said that they've dropped him because he's not fit enough. This yeah, right. isn't an injury thing. And he kind of said like, play, like players have to decide to make the sacrifice to be, to be top, top line NRL players. Yes. I actually thought Cherry Evans spoke really, really well about it. Always um, does. If, if Manly, if Manly fans want to try and dig up those comments, I, I, I would encourage you to, to do so. It reminded me a little bit of the preseason when Wayne Bennett and Jesse Bromwich were talking ask, a lot about Anthony. Yeah. yeah. It's, okay, it's sort of in that vein. Um, and I think someone like Schuster, who is clearly like talent's not a problem for him. I think sometimes he does need to be challenged in that way, you know. So he is out. He he was pretty um, was pretty quiet against the Tigers on on Sunday. And while I don't think Cooper Johns is 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 a superstar or anything like that, we've talked about him a bit on this show. I think he's just going to be good at facilitating some of the guys around him. Which when Manly's attack is working the way it's supposed to, that's all. That's all you really need. I think Manly would be very disappointed with how they played against the Tigers. I think they'll try and want something that can kind of blow the shackles off a little bit. Um, Tom Trebojevic has been confirmed he's been, that yeah. he's going to play. Which is great. I mean, he we were there last week. He looked in bad shape. He looked pretty ginger when he came off. Yeah. But I got to tell you, I think I'm riding the lightning on this one, man. Yeah. I think I'm taking the tunes. I, I think the tunes will just be able to overwhelm them with their strangeness. You know? And while the, while they have leaked a, a, like a lot of points in these last in these last couple of games. I think Manly have shown that if you can tempt Manly into a shootout, Manly will do it. And they can win a shootout, but they can lose one too. Yeah. You know? So I kind of like, I, I, I kind of like the idea of Mo Fodawaka dominating in the middle of the field. He's been exceptional his last two weeks. I think he'll be able to, to do that again. And while Manly are, so, so, so good at home, I think the Titans actually have a sneaky good record right. at Brookvale Island. As good as the Warriors record against the Storm. Well, mate, it's right up there. You know, the Warriors always play the Storm always play tough. tough. Always, play, always play them tough. So, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm zagging on this one. Okay. I think the Titans can do them. I'll, I'll take Manly. But, uh, yeah, I can't wait for Josh Houston to be a West Tiger next year. So. Well, the caveat is, I think I think that, that West Manly game last week was the first Manly game I've tipped correctly this year. Yeah, right. Okay. I, I, just, I just can't get a read on these fellas at all. all so, right. Manly fans should be rejoicing that I've given the Titans the kiss of death. Speaking of which, I'm still filthy. that I thought I was a Coltrane genius last week with that Tigers pick. But what, a oh mo- well. what a moment that would have been. Mate, wouldn't have just have been just me and Jason Oliver alone on an island against like forty people. Would have been glorious. <laughs> uh, Penrith hosting the West Tigers at Carrington Park. That's what? in Bathurst. Okay, I was going to guess Tamworth. Would have been wrong. Mm. That's okay. Now, Scully Park is in Tamworth. Ah, yes, of course, of course. Ah, apologies to all the Scullies out there. Shout out X Files. Um, yeah, Penrith almost unbackable here. Uh, what do you think? Any what, chance? What's there to say, man? Penrith will be pissed off after last week. They'll have a point to prove. When they have a point to prove, they usually come out and kill people, and it's really devastating and bloodthirsty. And there's you know corpses laying all over the field when they're done. You know, even though Fisher Harris is out, even though Liam Martin's still out, Nathan Cleary's confirmed to play. I don't know if he's kicking goals, but he's going to be out there. Mm. And they said he was carrying an injury last week. It didn't look like it. I thought he was exceptional. He was great in defeat. I thought he was really, really strong. Must have been very specific to like the movement for goal kicking. It, mu- it must. It must have been because yeah. otherwise, I thought I thought he was terrific. Um, yeah, I think Penrith are going to be bloodthirsty in this one. I think they're going to want to kill, which is why. Here's Taylor. Train Cup. 
Okay. I'm Carl training him. It's, it's it's I think this is this is an easy one. This is a slam dunk. This is my last Penrith one. Wow. for the year. It's fine as got well. Three. Got to get yeah, in. got mate, got to get him in. Just got to stack up the dubs at this mm-hmm. time of year. Um, I had an away team last week, so Penrith are the home team in Bathurst. So I thought I'll balance it out. Yeah, I think they're going to go and they're going to kill him. Consider that the West Tigers have Dream Buller. I liked Dream Buller last week. We complimented his work. I think he's a player definitely worth assisting with. We are we are Buller boys from way back, but. Yeah, it feels like we're just saying the same thing all the time with West. And while I did think they made some good strides against Manly, it's difficult for me to see a team that's so low on confidence. Like, yeah. I know we laugh about, oh, they've forgotten how to lose or they've forgotten how to win, but I, like winning winning becomes a habit. They also so, definitely and so, and should so have seen that game out last week. And if yeah. they weren't, and they hadn't been winless for so long, maybe they would have. Yeah, I, yeah, oh, it's definitely a psychological thing, you know, so... Yeah, I don't know if there's even that much more to say about this one. Apologies yeah. to our to our dear Panthers and, I mean, and West and West listeners well, and all that. Okay. But we're, like, we're running short on time, and I think both of those fan bases know how this game is going to go. Um, moving on to Sunday, the Warriors playing the Roosters for the second time this year already. One of those other quirks of the draw that teams are playing each other twice, but they've played other teams once. Um, and yeah, the Roosters coming short, short. Both of them the shortish week with Anzac Day on Tuesday, but. Um, yeah, I think they could both be pleased for their performances last week, and I'm pretty keen for this. I would be super keen for this if the Warriors didn't lose a couple of key yeah, guys on fair. Anzac Day. Um, losing Tohu Harris is, is, a, is a really big blow. If he was playing it, it'd probably be enough for me to to tip the Warriors. Um, but he's out. Wade Egan's back in at hooker. That's a big boost try scoring for machine. them. Wait, try scoring machine. Just can't stop getting them. Um, big home crowd at Mount Smart as well. I think you could see how much in their last home game against the Cowboys, where they defended really strongly, you could see how much strength they were drawing from from the home fans and all that. So while I give the Warriors a big chance in this one, the absence of Tohu Harris just makes me think it'll be extremely, extremely difficult for them. Yeah, you know. And I, while the Roosters were a bit of a mixed bag on Anzac Day. I thought there were some really good signs there in, in that in that first half, with especially with the way that they were attacking. And if they and I think the key for them is sort of trying to convert that to more of an eighty minute performance. And I, I think the storm the Warriors probably had more taken out of them in their Anzac Day game yeah. than the Roosters did because the Warriors were playing a little bit undermanned for so much of that of that second half, especially when they had no blokes on the bench. No chance to call Klukstad as That's, well. Yeah. I like Tane Tolpiki. I think he's a he's a player with a future. But they've drawn so much um, defensive resolve off Nickel Klukstad's energy at the back there and his organisation at the defensive line. So while I am still very high on the Warriors, I, I think the signs are pointing to the Roosters on this one. Yeah, I agree. Another week with that new look halves pairing. They didn't get much of a chance to spread their wings last week. All I think that they won this game mainly through their forwards against the Dragons. Um, but yeah, I, I think that with those guys being out, they they should be too strong for the Warriors. And seeing off the round, down in Wollongong, the Dragons hosting the Bulldogs' traditional rivals. Um, great! I used to love when they both wore the um, horizontal stripes. It was a very aesthetically pleasing it matchup. Was, it yeah. was. And I always think of that Darius Boyd intercept. Oh yeah, it was always a nice one. Mm. But yeah, a uh, long time ago that now. Um, Dragons think had some really nice patches last week in that second half. They were god-awful in the first. But the dogs just have so many injuries. I mean, we saw last night that Mac Ting's apparently out for a month as well. Well, how's this? I was going to tip the dogs until I heard that news. They're just so low on troops. Like, but like that—that is—that is a backbreaker for them because I've talked a little back about Max King a lot. This I think he's the most underrated player mm. in the NRL, um, and he was really doing some heavy lifting and helping keep that forward pack together. Yeah. Um, but without him, I think that gives the Dragons a clear advantage in the middle. I think some of the work that Tyrell Sloan was able to do with Moses Sully down that right edge last week 
is is very very dangerous for the poor for the poor old doggies, you know. So mm. I'm exp- and while Saints haven't been able to get the win these last couple of weeks, there have been some really good signs. Um, and I think if they are to sort of get a win in the next couple of weeks and sort of stem the tide a little bit, this is one they sort of have circled on their calendars. So I this is when I put the tips in, and then I had to change them. Put the tips in, and then I had to change them. Yep. Uh, I completely agree with you, which is why... Here's Taylor rolling the ball in on him. He's after it. He might have got it down. He thinks he did. Cold train carp. Look, I took a big swing with the Tigers last week. Didn't pay off. This is this is a not a big. This is a medium swing. I don't think it is because the like I just think that when there's a team like the Bulldogs, when you're getting a, a team that's so injury ravaged at the moment, that's the perfect time to rack up some Ws by taking the other side. I think I tipped against them a couple of weeks ago and tipped South. That was a nice little four and against booster. And I don't think the Dragons will put fifty on them, but I think they should win this one pretty comfortably if they're fair dinkum. So the, well, that but. It's pretty clear they're not Okay, 50. fine. No, we discussed this last <laughs> night. I said, if the Sharks are fair dinkum, they score 50. And Mitch said, they don't need to be fair dinkum. They just need to be like sm- a, a sprinkle of dinkum. A sprinkle of dinkum. If the Dragons have a sprinkle of dinkum, they've they got a bit of dinkum game. about them. Um, yeah, so Wes beating Manly last week would have been a walk-off homer. Yeah. This is like a... A double in this the is a double. This is a double. Yeah. This is a double to centre field. Um, the, the thing that would give me pause, I thought about taking the Dragons, but the thing that gave me a little bit of pause was just that that really short turnaround, the five-day turnaround. Yeah, that's that is a that like That is something that is difficult to, for a lot of teams to to overcome. So while the deck is stacked in the Dragons' favour, I don't think Canterbury are totally without hope. Josh Ren- like the Josh Reynolds selection of 5'8", has, has copped a fair bit of stick. I actually don't mind it because I think it's pretty clear that Kyle Flanagan wasn't giving them what they need. Yep. And I think one of the only ways to sort of weather the storm in an injury crisis is sort of get a bit of energy in there, get guys that are going to have you up and about. And while Reynolds has had a bit of a mixed bag this season, I think he will offer that for them. And I think because he's so com- because he's so experienced and so comfortable getting his hands on the ball a little bit and running around the park just a little, I think that will sort of free up Matt Burton at least a little bit. I don't love Burton at seven. I kind of want him as a playmaker rather than an organiser. But it's a combination that while unorthodox, I you think... You think he should th- be released. Um, I don't know. The, the leash status of Matt Burton is under review at this time. Okay. Simi Renrandra trying the chip and chase. Oh, no, it's Simi Redradra. Redradra's away. Simi Redradra. Oh, this will be interesting. Oh, yes, it will, yes. Simi Renrandra. Oh, he's absolutely buried. All right, bit of news, bit of breaking news, Nick. Oh, well. A couple of minutes after we've previewed the game, Scott Bailey on Twitter, Trebojevic out. He tweeted an hour ago that Trebojevic was in. (laughs) Scott, what the fuck are you doing? He listens too. AAP in shambles. Yep. Marty Gabor would never. Well, Martin Journalism Gabor. He would never. Gorged up on puce Maltesers. He would never do this. Would never dream of it. Exactly. Marty's not under the couch this week, unfortunately. No. Manly will hopefully play this this morning, but he has pulled up sore in the captain's run. And he's out. Wow. So so Garrick to fullback. Yep. And then who comes in for Garrick? Because Garrick was named in the centres this week, which was was a bit of a change. Wow, my Titans tip. Feeling good about it now, bro. Yeah, you should now. Oh, just just could Ko Weeks come in at fullback in a straight swap? Sure, possibly. Why not? Apart, apart from, well, maybe Carl Lawton out in the centres. He's very. Handsome. They don't have they don't have a specialist. 
no. outside back in their extended squad. But yeah, wow. Well, oh, there, there you go. go. No, KO Week's playing fullback. KO Week's straight to fullback. There yep. you go. So, well, I like the Titans even a little bit more now. So I'm I'm riding the lightning. I'm bowing down to the king, kingdom of madness, bro. Let's do it. Let's get nuts. Yeah, for sure. Um, At halftime in the game last night, the Sharks unveiled five NRLW signings. Andy Robertson, Talai Holmes, Tegan Dimmick, Kiana Takarangi, and Matty Studden all will be running out for that first game. A double header against Manly in the men's and um, Canberra in the women's? Yes, in the first it is. Round? Yeah. Good. Um, we'll probably have to go to that then. Some, yeah, some good signings there. I think a lot of those girls have played Harvey Norman Women's Premiership with the Sharks, yep. so they're pretty ensconced at the club. Forgot to mention this in the Thursday night recap, but I thought... All the tributes to Paul Green last oh, yeah, night absolutely. were were extremely. My heart broke when they were, showed his family were extremely on the well done God's and very so touching. Sad. I thought Nico Hines spoke beautifully when he was awarded the medal. I think that's a great initiative for both clubs. And um, the the video of Paul Green's two kids leading up up Cronulla oh, in the mate. sheds afterwards was just was just wonderful to see. It's great to see those two clubs rally around. Um, the family of a man who who meant so much to them. So really big ups to to yep. both the clubs on that one for sure. And the shark that they, they, they join Emma Tonegato, Quincy Dodd, Holly Wheeler, Jada Taylor, all the sharks as well. So building quite a nice team. Um, the Roosters have re-signed Jess Surgis, which is is that mildly surprising? I think no, I don't think so. I think she's pretty pretty well, settled I thought, up there. I, I, I was under the impression she was joining the Tigers. Well, she she pl- she's played Harvey Norman with the Tigers yeah. these last couple of years, but I think she was always. I think the Roosters really made her a bit of a priority she's her and isabel kelly are kind okay. of the faces of that program at the minute yeah and um elsie albert's gone to the eels yep that's a signing that's sort of been in the water for a while she's been playing for wenty in the in the women's premiership playing really good footy too good um, i think i think she's the the length of the season last year probably got to her a little bit in the second nrlw campaign but i saw her play the other week against canterbury and she's back to her best she's killing people playing great footy so really good get for para if you don't already know would you like to guess how many weeks nano is facing uh, four. Five. Is it four with an early play? No, it says five according to the story that I'm reading. So Are you sure it's not four with an early play and five if you thought um, It loses. says, North Queensland, Jeremiah Nanai has been handed a five-match ban for hip drop tackle that left Cronulla's Hamlin ULA with a knee injury. The suspension rules Nanai out of state of origin one for Queensland. I don't think he would have got a pick, to be honest with you. I the don't either. But, uh, it doesn't matter now because they get five weeks, which I think is given the... Does it, it, that does factor in the three weeks he got earlier in the season. I'll be that. honest with you, I can't work out. I actually don't. I don't know, know how the judiciary works anymore. works anymore. They change it up so often. Um, uh, do you got anything? Any other, any other news you want to talk about? Well, do we want to talk about the the plan to take games to Las Vegas? Oh, I mean, sure. Um, <laughs> the plan is to take games to Las Vegas, but you've actually got some unique insight on this one because. Uh, reading in Andrew Webster's column today, because the Las Vegas Raiders Stadium, which is gigantic, holds 60-something thousand people, and they are unlikely to sell that many tickets, they will instead be playing in the middle of nowhere, yeah, which you have been to. I have been to. So, in case you missed this one, there's a bit of talk coming out that the NRL is considering taking a double header to launch the season. In Las Vegas next year, they want to base it around um, a UFC fight or a boxing fight or something like that and sort of turn it into a ultimate sporting weekend to do a bunch of deals with travel companies and all of that. Um, there has been talk of things like this happening for probably about as long as I've followed rugby league. None yeah. of it has ever really come Used to be Hawaii. Too much. Yeah, Hawaii was the big one for a while. California was the big one for a while. They always hit the same beats. They always talk about getting Souths over there because of Russell Crowe. They talk about getting Manly over there because of Hugh Jackman. But this isn't about this to me isn't about developing rugby league in the states. This is about exposing rugby league to American gamblers because gambling, sports gambling, has become legal in a lot of American states over the last five years or so. And there is not 
billions to be made. There are tens of billions and hundreds of billions to be made. And of course, the NRL sees that and they want a little bit of bit of a piece of it. That's why Melbourne have sort of been linked to this match because Melbourne chairman Matt Tripp owns a um, it co-owns a betting company called Better, which is taking off in the states at the minute. This isn't about spreading the rugby league gospel. This is about making money, which is fine. Money is important, and we all got to have it. If Souths are playing, I'd probably go as a fan just for the fun of it, just as an excuse to go to Vegas. Well, when the when the when the sort of news came out, they said that they were going to be playing at Allegiant Stadium, which is the Las Vegas Raiders stadium with sixty five thousand people, as you mentioned earlier. But they can't sell sixty five thousand tickets to a game here. How are they going to sell sixty five thousand tickets to a game? In Las Vegas. That's so instead, point. they are going to play it, they're talking about, at Sam Boyd Stadium, which is where UNLV play their footy games. That's about 40 minutes from the Las Vegas Strip. I went there to a UNLV game a couple of years ago. It's literally a stadium in the middle of a field. There's, there's, there is there is nothing. And, and nothing didn't, didn't there. Didn't a fan ask why you'd come? Yeah, a fan asked, why, why would you bother coming to this game? And I was like, Oof. do you remember who won? What was the score? Who they play? Um, UNLV played. Did they play the New Mexico Lobos? They did. Oh, really? They did. <laughs> they did, and the Lobos thrashed them. Oh, okay. They thrashed them. Go Lobos! It was, it was, a, it was a fun day. Like we, were ta- we did all the tailgating and all yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. But like, if I, I, I didn't fly over for that either. I just happened to be in Vegas. No, of course. Had a spare, had a spare different. afternoon, and just sort of I'd go out and watch it. Why not? Um, but yeah, I don't know. I, I'll believe this when I see it. Yeah. To be honest with you. All right. Um, I think that's that's all we got for this week, this Friday. Yeah, I, th- I think so. It's yeah. good stuff. Taught, a taut, compact show. Indeed. And before we get out of here, a quick thank you to the people in the top two tiers. If you'd like to support us, go to patreon.com forward slash Rookies. You get access to our Discord server, um, merchandise discounts, uh, a third show every single week. And we have a spot for our Magic Round Meetup, which is next week, Campo. Uh, and you will be invited to that as well. Uh, I will? Uh, you are invited, yes. <laughs> but you have to be there on time. Uh, okay, well, yeah, like I don't certain know previous that. co-hosts who <laughs> sworn in an hour late. Leave old Bungard to court the people. You love courting the people. I do love courting the people. I love all of you. And especially, I love Chris Avnell, Dave, Rocky and Rafi, Stu, Talakai Tamed Manu, Alex Sergicomi, Butsy, Chewbacca, Snuffleupagus, Dan Cullinane, David, Doc Hogg, an anonymous backer, Ed Burton, Frankie, Horsborough Scoresborough, Jace Felix Farmworth, Jason, Jez, Joel Wrigley, John, Josh Brandon, Kicks House Out of the Comp, Lachlan Hancock, Lifelong Dolphins fan, Luke Charles Smidmore, Luke Ferguson, Natty Jenkins, Matthew Duggan, Michael Murray, Mr. Beefy, Morgan Watkins, My Team's Bench is Your Team's Marquee, My Ding Ding Dong is Hard and I Am Sad, Never Trendy, Pat McManus, Raystone Gossard, Reese Brown, Rowan Edwards, Roxanne Clark, Shunter, Ty, TB, The Black Vegetable, Thor, Tom Hardy, Was, and West Slice Podcast. Thank you so much for your support to everyone in the lower tiers, everyone to everyone who just listens. Thank you as well. Yeah, love you guys. You make it all worthwhile. Yeah, if you're in Brizzy, come to the thing on, um, I think it's going to be on the Saturday. We'll Saturday reveal midday. the location on the question show next week. Absolutely. Um, yeah, come down. We'll sink a few beers, have a few yarns, have a couple of laughs. Might hip drop someone. Someone Maybe. might hip drop me. Yeah. Who knows, man? Anything goes on Magic Round. Absolutely. And we'll be back next week, Monday show and Thursday preview show next week, obviously. Well, A, I, there's no Thursday game and B, yeah, we will well, not we'll be prob- in we'll, Sydney on we'll, we'll probably We'll probably record Thursday, put it out Thursday night so you can listen to it on yep. the way up to Brisbane That's on exactly Friday. What do That's what we're going to do. All right. Let's get out of here. Say goodbye, Campo. Goodbye, Bertrand. And it's goodbye from... Me.